Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Bill is about to come on Rock Your World. Can your music do this? We are going to find out, can your music actually do this? And this dude is a genius with music and this beautiful art form. So stay tuned. This is going to be an epic interview. Before that, let's talk about you because you're becoming your greatest possible self. And I, I acknowledge you for showing up. I acknowledge you for taking the steps that you can, for listening to podcasts, YouTubes, uh, going to events, seminars, signing up with coaching, designing your greatest possible self and your life. I acknowledge you. So keep going. Keep taking one step at a time. You can do it. Anything you set your mind to, you can do it. Okay. Next up is the iTunes review of the week. And this week, let's see what's by Human Flame, who says it gets you going. Thanks, Chris, for your energy and positivity that you bring. Love what you are bringing to the table. Thank you so much, Human Flame. I appreciate you. And if you want to give us a review, go to beergps.com forward slash iTunes or search Greatest Possible Self on the Apple Podcast Store and you can give us a review. You'll get a chance to get shouted out and thanked and appreciated for being a part of our raving fan community, giving us an awesome review. I appreciate you for doing that in advance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to introduce Bill in just a second here. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen. We're going to be going freaking deep. I can feel it. I can feel it. this is going to be an epic interview, and you definitely want to stay all the way through till the end, because one of these ideas that we talk about has the power to change everything for you. So let's introduce Bill, and we'll bring him on, because Bill Protzman's mission is to raise awareness of the power of music as self-care. He is the world's leading expert on the power of music for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. He holds a magna cum laude degrees in piano performance and creative writing and has led a successful IT consulting practice for more than 30 years. In 2011, Bill launched Music Care Inc., a for-purpose corporation to teach and advocate for practical ways music can be used for your self-care. He was recognized by the National Council National Council of Behavioral Health for Behavioral Health with an award of excellence in 2014. The industry equivalent of winning an Oscar. And we are here with Bill today, ready to rock the house. Bill, I, I know we're going to smash it out of the park, my man. Aren't we? Aren't we, Bill? We're yeah, totally time doing for music. it. <laughs> it is so time for music right now. I mean, it just it's time to put on the end of the day music and just roll into the evening. And, and get right? Oh, no, we are fired up. <laughs> well, you, you got two more hours here, my friend. So <laughs> This is going to be a blast. So thanks for being here, Bill. We're going to dive right into the theme, man. The theme is being in your prime. What does that mean for you, Bill? Oh, yeah. So uh, there's a point in life where you start to look back and go, hey, everything that happened, it mm. kind of makes sense to me. Mm. And I think that's the moment where you're in your prime, where you, where you get it. It all comes home. You know, even the crazy stuff, like what in the world was I doing that for 30 years ago? <laughs> all of a sudden it makes sense. You go, oh, yeah, well, of course I had to do that thing. So now I can do this thing and, and I wouldn't be here without. So that's in your prime. And, and man, does it feel good? Mm. It is so great to look mm. around and go, 
yeah, you know, we did some things and oh my gosh, we got some things to do. And it, and it feels really great to be in that place. The pivot between what you've done and what you're going to do. That's prime. That's wow. prime. Wow. Yeah. It's like that. It's, it's taking the ingredients that maybe we didn't understand before and saying, I got all the ingredients. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What the heck do I do with them now? That's, that's a difficult place to be in. But once you say, I got all the ingredients, I know what to do with them. Let's go bake a cake. Then that is a <laughs> magnificent moment, man. <laughs> And for a Renaissance man or Renaissance woman or just a Renaissance person who likes to do so much, wow, you can do almost anything. I mean, anyone can do almost anything. You know, the accountant sitting in the corner cube that's just pushing numbers can do Mm. anything. Mm. We are are so powerful, man, and and all have the ability to become our greatest possible self, whatever that looks like. And your version of that, of self-care and empowering people with music, Bill, is is epic and uh, super, super unique. I want to dive into it for our audience so that they can get to know what is this whole world of music care and being able to create their reality with music. So tell us a little bit more about what you do. Or, so I'm a creative, I'm, you know, I'm a musician, and I also have this IT thing where I'm a problem solver. And creation <laughs> and problem solving, there's like two different things, right? right? <laughs> I mean, creating means coming up with something that's brand new that's never been done before, mm. ever. And problem solving means figuring out how to fix something that's broken so that it'll work again. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> right? It's like and left and you know, right brain. You got both, Bill. <laughs> both and, and I'll tell you what, man, that's the distance between the left and the right brain. It's a long way. <laughs> Because when you commit to one thing or the other and you keep expanding that range, Mm. pretty soon you're running a lot between the two. Yeah. And that's tiring. Mm. So, (laughs) so, you know, in in my prime, what I'm doing is figuring out how to stay in that creative place Mm -hmm. and really accept uh, innovation and really accept pushing the envelope and and sort of consciously laying aside bigger, better, faster, because we know that technology can do that for us. And trying to stay with this thing that is that's new, that we don't know where it's going, that's really an exploration versus just, oh, yeah, well, it's this and that, and we can make it do this. You know, mm. I've done that. It's fun. I, I enjoy doing that. You know, problem solving is fun. Mm. But what let's I, talk about the other stuff. What I also hear is linear growth, which is predictable and expected and can kind of lose the magic and the wonder. And then like exponential growth and quantum growth and, and this like kind of possibility filled life where we, yeah. we are so curious and we're so living the adventure of, of life every day and saying, I wonder what we can create today. I think that's a, a magical place to be. Look at all the amazing opportunities we have for creation right now. Mm. We're not going to fix any of the stuff that's going on, mm. but we're going to innovate beyond it. That's right. You know, it, it's like the, the innovation between the horse and the car. Yep. You know, big change. Yeah. Nobody knew we needed cars until Henry Ford decided we could make a bunch of them. That's right. But, uh, you know, we're at that place. And, and it's, it shows like this, and it's talking to hosts like this. I mean, I, I look around, and, and be honest with you, Chris, I'm coming on this show and the butterflies are like starting to go in the background. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I perform. I'm, I'm, I'm not a nervous guy. But that kind of, um, when, when the butterflies are there and they start to form up, mm. I know that there's an opportunity there that's a little bit more than, than the usual. Yeah. And uh, the butterflies are there because of all of the amazing opportunities. I think I've been on a hundred and something podcasts so far in the last year. Wow. And listening to people talk about what they want to do and, and you know, listen to episodes to come up to speed and all that, man, there are amazing people out there working right now to do things that have never been done before ever. And, and it's so great to know that yeah. because, you know, reading the media, reading the news, 
you're not going to get that perspective from the news. You might get it from Reddit. There's some great groups in Reddit. But, you know, talking to you and knowing that we've spent 12 hours have gone by today with innovation, <laughs> right? Who's putting that flag in the sand? Well, you are, man. And, and we I need am. that. I am. Yes, we, we are, Bill. This is amazing. I want to go back in your journey because, like, the the mix of IT and music, like, man, yeah. just blows my mind. I know our audience is wondering, how the heck did it happen, Bill? So take us back in the journey and tell us where things really began for you to, to I- identify who you are, what your gifts are, what you're here to do, man. Yeah, so um, being a piano player since a long time, like all my life, you start to notice at some point that music is having an effect. And I, I noticed that first, it's having an effect on me. But Early on, I was blessed to notice that audiences were engaging with the music that I played, and in a way that was new to me. It was novel. I didn't quite get it, but I could see it happening. Roll forward. Now we have research that explains how all that works, and we can we can tell based on the sound what's going to happen, and we know how the science of this and that and whatever, and dopamine and serotonin and all the brain chemistry, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but musicians have been doing what we do in spite of the science or because of it because that's how music works. So we give a concert and we, we actually plan to manipulate people through an emotional journey. That's what a concert is. Yep. And it became obvious at some point or another, I forget when exactly, but that moment came where I thought, aha, you know what, if this is something that people can passively receive listening to music with a little bit of knowledge, you might be able to use that same thing that I used to program a concert to give yourself Uh, some kind of relief. We all know music has power. So you give yourself relief. You could give yourself an opportunity for growth. You could actually support your growth. And in today's world, when we're talking about resilience and authenticity and kindness and gratitude, uh, the question, can your music do this, is more like, what is the music that you use for gratitude? Mm. To engage the emotional component of gratitude. What's that music? Because the music will do that. Just reach right in there and grab your heartstrings and pull the emotion that you need so that when you come to the table and say thank you, the emotion of thanks is in there. It's, mm. it's just like right there. It's just present. You can't avoid it. So there's so many ways that music works. Whether you're you know, homeless on the street and just trying to cope, there's music for that. Whether you're being resilient, there's music for that. Yep. And it's individual. Yours is going to be different than mine. But what an opportunity to help people like, engage with this thing that's been around us for so long. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not dissing on myself as a problem solver because music is great for solving problems, too. Oh, yeah. But it's also really great for creating. Yeah, well, it's, it's, oh, it's whatever state, whatever, whatever level yeah. of resourcefulness that we need. If we need strength, there's a, myth, m- mood, there's a mood and an energy yeah. for strength. If we need yep. patience, there's a music and a mood and an energy for patience. You know, and, and for everything that we, need, we want to accomplish, there's a way to amplify it and accelerate it. And I think just people haven't put the pieces together to say, well, this thing that I do just kind of unconsciously because I think this is what I like and, you know, I like to listen to electronic dance music 24 7 and it's like always my jam well good and are, are you using it the most effectively and and to the best of your uh resourcefulness so i think this is awesome, awesome. i want to dive more into your journey bill in, in a yeah. sec but I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of clicking on the microphone do you know what that might be if it's like i don't know if it's like bouncing around or what what it might be i just want to make sure that we if we can adjust it um or get it fixed for the rest yeah, of the interview i'm, I'm hearing that too but i don't think it's coming from this end um Talk for a sec. I'll mute out. Tell me if you hear it. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, I got a little bit of click with the mic muted, but okay. um, 
I, it may just be lousy internet today. We're, we're, we're on ethernet all the way to the uh, fiber in the wall. So um, I don't suspect it's that. Oh, that's strange. But isn't it weird? I mean, technology is always doing us favors and then every so often it comes and barks. <laughs> okay, cool. I just wanted to see if there's, if there was anything we could do about it for continuing on. Cause I know it might be a little distracting for, for people who are listening to the podcast. Is it a consistent click, 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 click the whole time? Uh, it's, it's like, it's only when there's certain like certain moments it's it's sporadic it's it's uh variable it's okay so there there is a pulse that happens too i've noticed but we're not getting that and that's a good thing so <laughs> okay <laughs> all right well we'll we'll keep it going and if hey i'm happy to have you back on again it'll it'll be a blast not a um, so let's let's keep going with this man let's talk about it and and music where did those two intersect for you Sure. So, uh, you know, about music and math, people used mm -hmm. to say, hey, if you're good at math, you're good at music and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the draw to me on IT was logic and rule set and being able to make things happen. And I, I grew up pretty early in the IT world. We were still using punch cards when I learned how to program a computer, right? And I think it was Fortran and then I got Pascal and it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. And I really cut my teeth in Unix and DBase and all that. But programming coding uh, was pretty amazing back in the day because there wasn't any of it. We were doing stuff that had never been done before. Right. And um, you know, programming languages hadn't been done before. So now we have those. But, but that kind of creativity, which I got to dabble in very early on in my career, uh, really launched me into IT in a great way. But I had something else that a, a professor told me about uh, that I didn't realize I had. And it's still something that I wonder how well I do it. This guy came up to me and he said, Bill, you know what? You, you'd probably be OK as a coder. But he said, your real gift is you can talk to the coders, the, the engineers, and you can talk to the end users, the people mm -hmm. who want to do something with a computer. And I'm like that bridge, the connector. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things we're talking about. You know, when you're in your prime, you look back and go, wow, I was that for IT in my professional world. And I've also been that in music. Mm -hmm. So I, I was one of the first to go out on stage and actually talk to the audience, break the wall and say, hey, guys, this is what's about to happen up here. And here's what it feels like to do this. And the response the composer was hoping for is this. And, you know, and being a piano player, this is what it means to do. So actually talking about that turns out to be very uh, interesting to the audience. Audiences like to know what's going on. And, oh, yeah. you know, as a yeah. classical piano player, you need to explain some of the stuff you do because classical music isn't like, you know, on the top 40 too much. So um, that communication skill has been sort of typical of the way that I perform when I'm on stage, provided that it's not a real structured environment where, you know, like the recital rules apply and you can't even like pretend that the audience is there and stuff. Mm -hmm. But this ability to talk about the music mm -hmm. plus the kind of rule set that's in music, and there is one, yeah. if you do this, you're going to get that response. Yeah. Um, those two things sort of brought it together and helped me sort of be grateful for that programming background. Pretty abstract thing, but it, you can do real work with code these days. That, But that uh, logic-based, I guess, or reason-based thing translated really well when it came to this area of, oh, yes, and here's how music works, except for the one variable in all of this, which I love so much, is that music works differently for every one of us. Yep. It's so amazing. I mean, you, you don't need a prescription to use it. It's guaranteed to have an effect, mm. but you have to discover what the effect is on you. And so I, I've gone from being a, oh, yes, I need this, so program that, to this is the music, and it's possible it could do this or that or whatever, but give it a try because you mm. want to know. Yeah. 
you know, when you need something to do whatever, you need music for a reason, you want to know what that music's going to be. You don't want to be, you know, going through a playlist right there. Oh, let's see, I've got this playlist and I need music for gratitude. And oh my gosh, which one is it? You want that dialed in like yeah. right now. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and that's where the, the, um, uh, the rule set comes into play again because we can practice that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's having that library of go to, go to directions like okay it's, it's almost like an instruction manual knowing the instruction manual man, memorizing but it's simple it's really simple saying hey and when i'm feeling like crap when i'm feeling afraid what do i what what's important for me yeah where's my go-to exactly and it's also experimenting too it's because everyone's a unique individual and seeing you know what what it's going to do for us because you know i love listening to classical music it's it's a blast for me i love to listen to it in the background while i'm working and i know my girlfriend she doesn't like classical baroque music that much and she doesn't like to listen to it i was like okay well i love it i, I think it's good for my brain but <laughs> yeah yeah so it it's it's cool that there's uh, that there's differences yeah right yeah. um i know a guy who listens to metal he has schizophrenic tendencies and in order to get his mind running at a level where the rest of us are functioning, he puts on some metal <laughs> and that's great. And, and I know people that get angry over metal music and some people get ha happy. There was a study on happiness with metal. So um, wow. yeah, go world, do this, <laughs> do more of this. Yeah. And, and so the trick of course is, uh, and this is, a, this is a superpower. It's so amazing. Human beings can do this stuff, but we remember music, you know, the annoying earworm that you can't get out of your mind. And I won't say anything. I won't bring, bring up any titles here, but there's a bunch. But when you can't make the song go away, so that's a superpower that you have. And if you practice putting music in there for a reason, when that reason appears, you don't even have to listen to the music. Just remembering it will give you the response you need. Whether that's a, an authentic gratitude or whether that's experiencing fear in a way that lets it come and go, like in a, in a scary movie, that just washes right through, or anger, joy, sadness, it's all in there. So tracking a song to a purpose engages that superpower, especially if you practice it over. Oh, yeah, it's my gratitude song. My gratitude. Oh, yeah, I remember my gratitude song yes. now. And then bang, you need it. It's there. Superpower, human superpower. Yeah, it's. Um, I know in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, yep. they talk about anchoring. We talk about anchoring ourselves to certain states or things and you know you can squeeze your ear or you can smell something or you can hear something you can hear a sound there, you, there's audio cues uh you know physical cues there's um there's olfactory cues gustatory oh, yeah. cues Taste, all, these, yeah. all these different sensations right and so music what a powerful way because it's so unique to hear a song to hear a even a sound uh, can trigger our brain to go into some kind of pattern, some kind of state, shift our, our way of being. Is that cool? I mean, yeah. we're fascinating beings. Man. We humans. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So Bill, what, at what point did you say, Hey, I want to, I know you did music care. I think it was almost, almost a decade that you started yep. to go. Um, what, what made you say, Hey, I, I want to dedicate my life to using the science and the awareness and um, the rules behind music to empower others. When did you make that decision? It was in the late 2000s. Um, I had a therapist at the time who invited me to do my one-man show for a group of people. And um, many of them were therapists. A lot of them were healers. So I did that. And afterwards, she came to me and said, Bill, um, you really need to be giving this show for veterans. Post-traumatic stress is a thing. Uh, she was married to a, a Vietnam-era veteran, combat veteran. And he was also a therapist. They're both like PhD therapists. 
And I said, well, okay, fine. Well, you know, how does that look? What, what, what do I do? Right. So I, I started to experiment and I wound up um, coming to San Diego, mm. moving to San Diego with a lot of veterans here, beginning to do the one man show and engaging with the veteran community and uh, became a volunteer with Guitars for Vets and saw how learning to play the guitar works on post-traumatic stress symptoms and just became engaged in this process of, you know, what can music do? What, let's, mm. let's see what the possibilities are here. I talked about working with homeless people, and that's uh, also another lane where I've done some work. So we're talking about working with the most at-risk people who are also the people who are most ready to grow or change. Mm. And it's really amazing to me that like blown-up veterans, missing legs or arms, have become motivational speakers, Mm. you know, out of that deep place where they've gone. And we now talk about post-traumatic stress in these terms, post-traumatic growth or post-traumatic hope. It's like trauma is a way that we move the ball, that we, that we change, that we grow. So there's this, this opportunity to bring a, a completely effective physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual medicine, that's music, into contact with this at-risk situation and watch it transform lives. And, oh my gosh, Chris, it does. It really does. And it, it hardly really matters what the music is. You know, that people want to say, well, what's the best music for X? The best music for it is what you love. Pick a song you love that has the feelings in it that you want for that thing, and you've done it, right? That, that's, it. <laughs> that's music care in a box right there. So uh, watching that happen now for, well, the better for, let's see, 2007, I guess, is when I did the first concert in San Diego. Now, uh, I can't do any math. It's late in the day. But for a lot of years... <laughs> I think it's 12 years. Yep. Um, I've been able to watch this like actually happening with real people and with audiences, whether they're professionals or at-risk people or folks who are in the healing uh, modalities in some way. What an incredible opportunity to just help people remember mm. what we do with sound and rhythm, what our, what our systems do with sound and rhythm, and to offer the, uh, the opportunity for people to experience that and start to practice that and, and make it more conscious, make it more present and have that incorporated into whatever they're doing, whether they're recovering from homelessness or recovering from addiction or um, just trying to do a better job being a cubicle dweller or the most exciting ones are the ones who've sort of covered the basics mm-hmm. and they're like the 15% left at the top that's going, oh my gosh, so I'm, I've got everything that I wanted. What's, what's left? What's more? There's got to be something more here. That's where it gets exciting because then you start to talk about creativity. You're no longer solving problems. Mm. You're in that place where you can go, okay, what's the next innovative thing that like IBM is going to do, right? Mm. Can you imagine being the guy who's in charge and saying, oh, wow, what do I do with this company? (laughs) So in in the last, let's say, 12 years, you've really, it sounds like you've really hit your stride in matching these two worlds of math and music. And uh, in terms of living your purpose, like how how would you say that music has kept you moving forward, has kept you alive, Phil? Well, it literally has kept me alive. Um, When I faced a very dark moment in my life, which happens regularly, I mean, that's my job, right? (laughs) I'm supposed to go get big emotion and perform them. But when I face that dark moment on my own, like without a reason to give it to someone else, mm. um, I put on some music to just sort of keep me present with that. Because I've discovered, and through therapy, the psychologists tend to agree with this, that the big emotions that we have have information for us, have energy for us. Mm. And if we can get into the depths of them, whatever they are, 
with the expectation that there's something there we need to know or feel or experience or understand, um, that's really good practice. And so that night when I was feeling just like at the end of everything and sat there listening to the music, I didn't have any expectations. And you use the word nonlinear, and that's true. It's, it's really nonlinear, this thing that is music. And I didn't know what to expect. I just felt like it was done and, and put on the music. And I started to weep, of course, but I, I felt sad before. But I'd never felt that sad. And I was surprised that sadness was the thing that came to me. And it worked very deeply on me. And um, from that, the next morning, you know, when I came back and got myself together, that was sort of the, the demarcation point. It was, it was a Labor Day weekend. And that Saturday morning, I was just like, you know what? This is the thing. This stuff worked so well for me last night, but I've got to figure out how I can get this to people so that they can use it for the same reason too. And uh, clearly the opportunities are there. The, the suicide numbers are way up, sadly, and the depression and distress and anxiety numbers are way up. And the, you see anger leaking out all over social media. So the opportunities are there. Mm. And, and being you know, not a clinician, I can make these incredible claims about this, the power of music and what it actually <laughs> does for us. And when people go, oh yeah, really? You can point to the clinical research. Mm. Um, a guy who's a piano player um, and also an oncological surgeon uh, played music in the ICU for his patients and found they needed half the pain medication of patients who weren't hearing music. Wow. Half. I mean, that's, we're lucky in the world of, of, the clinical PTSD world, if we get a 15 to 18% pop and here's half the meds, half the pain meds. And this was, I don't know, years ago, this was in the early two thousands, way before an opioid crisis of any kind happened. And yet do we have music in the ICUs and every hospital in the world? Well, probably in some, um, they also found that playing music helped people heal faster and mm. wouldn't want to heal faster. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it seems obvious to me. So, uh, Clinical double-blind research trials, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay, in Denmark, they've got that. You can actually get prescription music in Denmark. Your MD can prescribe music to you. You go to the pharmacy and you wow. get, I don't know, it's streamable now probably. But yes, you do. And it's very carefully assembled music for mm. very specific reasons. And, and it works because you know, music works. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, the goofiest music out there is going to have an effect on you. Well, I think what's what's beautiful about this is it's so non-invasive, right? Yep. Like people yep. people take these nasty freaking prescriptions that like screw up their system for the rest of their life. Like they, no, they just stuff you into a box where you can't even move or think or feel. Dude. How uh, is that helpful? Uh, <laughs> I mean, terrible, terrible. So, in terms of music, music being a solution, I know you use the word music care. Is that the same thing as music therapy? Are they different? Like what, how would you in prescription music, like what, what's the relation between all these? Yeah, it's all sort of going and there's like what we call recreational music making, which is the technical term for a drum circle led by a music therapist. So music therapy, I'm I'm not a music therapist. I'm just a piano player, right? So music therapy is a licensed board certified advanced agreed person who works with you in a therapeutic relationship Hmm. on something uh, using music. And that could be listening to music together. It could be performing together. Mm -hmm. There's even a thing called vocal psychotherapy where you and the therapist improvise your therapy session singing and sometimes perform playing an instrument at the same time. Wow! And this kind of work is amazing, of course, because music 
gets inside and, and opens you up in a way that's very useful in therapy. Yeah. And I haven't been to a music therapist, but plenty of my therapists have done things like ring a singing bowl or you know play some background music. I've even done EMDR with music that orbits between the left and right ear to create the bilateral stimulation you need. So music is a modality. It's out there and, and all kinds of professional healers use it. In fact, there's a study, I love this study, um, they took medical professionals who use music in their practice in some way, mm-hmm. with with patients, of course, and music therapists who, of course, use music for what they do, and then they compared the results across a similar kind of spectrum of patients. So music therapy is great for autism and uh, for dementia, Alzheimer's, um, end of life. There's some really great lanes that the research in music therapy is opening up for people who are practicing it. And so they compared those kinds of situations with the medical professionals, they're also using music in some way. And who do you think got the better results? Medical professionals? <laughs> you first one that said so. But it's true. The medical professionals who were just using music, just because they, you know, let's play some music, right? Yep. Um, they got better results than the music therapist. And it's like, okay, this is so rich. It, it just inspires me to continue to do what I do with music as a as music care. So music care is using music to care for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you do yoga or meditation right. or deep breathing or mindfulness exercises or gratitude journal or whatever. So music care is the intelligent application of music for your own care, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. Uh, if that's a creative opportunity, there's music that, that's there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've mentioned how you use classical music to, when you're working. Yep. Um, that's music care. And you can use it interventionally. So if you have a specific issue like depression that you're trying to work through, or some grief, loss of a friend, um, there you can set up music that minds you in that process and helps give you relief. As, as intervention, it works really well. And lots of music therapy is about intervention. But let's say you move to end of life and you're a transition coach, which is a thing now. Um, wow. Music is a great... <laughs> way of offering that transition. I've had the opportunity to play for people who are near end of life in, in live performance. And it's such an amazing thing because um, the feeling in the room is so different from a normal concert. It's more of a coming together around a purpose. Beautiful. And, and I think that's the key is if you've got a, a purpose, there's music that will help facilitate that in whatever way, you know? amazing how do we how do we use music uh, it sounds like individually we use it to shift our state what about with with other people you mentioned for someone who's passing that's a way to use it is there other ways to use it with uh, our friends family relationships sure um we've done family drum circles for a long time mm. just with the kids and it turns out that when you're making music together and if anyone is listening has played in a band you'll know what this is about uh, when you make music with one other person, even, but with many, or it doesn't matter, you're knowing each other in a way and communicating each other with each other in a way that you can't do mm. um, in, in any other modality. Yeah. Making music together um, connects you mm. around a purpose that, if you haven't done it very much, might seem new. But if you have done it, like if the advanced improvisers who are out there and, and working off each other in a band, you can just see the electricity on the bandstand and there's no exclusivity to that. You can jump into that and have that same kind of electricity drumming with one other person or drumming with a group. Yeah. And anybody can play the drum. 
it's a great thing. So um, what that offers, what music offers you in that place is an ability to connect. Yes. We always talk about music being the universal language, mm-hmm. and, and that's true. But when you, when you actually do it, whether you're singing with somebody else or just slapping your knees together, whatever, just something, you are unlocking your ability to connect on a level that's much more authentic, much more human, I think, than any other modality offers. Yeah. And, and, and music has done that for us for millennia, actually. Bill, what I, what I, what I see in it is, is how do I relate? How does my pitch, how does my tone, how does my existence relate to this other person? They're going at this pace. They're, they're singing at this tone. They're doing whatever. How am I relating with them? And I think the act of using our body, our, our ears, our hands strumming something, our vocal cords singing something with another being that is producing, that is creating, that is yeah. being, yeah. how do we relate? I think what a, what a like core human experience to get reconnected with. There was a time when um, all the big companies in the world, like Ford and IBM, had company songs. Wow. And you had to know the company song. <laughs> uh, you really did. Awesome. And there was a reason for that because, I mean, we've all heard the fight songs of football games, right? So when you go to the game, that music just energizes you around a purpose together. Yeah. And at, at the game, of course, it's supporting your team. Yeah. It, at work, it's supporting one another. And uh, oftentimes when you're in a place where there's nothing else to do, singing or dancing or playing some kind of an instrument is a resilience practice mm. because it, it, it reunifies you around the reason that you're there. Yeah. You know, um, we could try that right now. You want to try it? Let's try it, Bill. Okay. Now I don't sing and I probably, I'm going to guess you don't either, but you know, amen, amen. You know yes. that, right? Yes. Okay. So when I sing that, then you respond, amen. Now you sing, amen. You're not singing, man. Amen. amen. Yeah. And you sing, amen. 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 That's it. Right. Okay. Now, did the energy change? Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. And, and that's us. Wow. But guess what? I was teaching homeless people in a music class. And it was, I'd been to see my father. Uh, the, the family gathered. He was, he was passing on. And nobody knew, you know, how long he'd, he'd live or whatever. But I had to come back and I had work to do. So I came back to San Diego from Twin Falls where dad was. And I was teaching this music class. And uh, we were just going through stuff. We're talking about, like we're talking, we're talking about how music works and this and that. And we were doing some tapping, some EMDR stuff. And across the table from me, a woman started to sing. And she sang the amen. Amen. And everybody just immediately responded, amen. And we sang it all the way through, right? At the moment she started to sing, kid you not, my phone lit up. And I could tell, you know, it was rattling on the table and, and blinking at me, but I, I couldn't stop the class and find out what was going on until after. No one in the class had any idea of what was going on with dad in, in those nonprofit situations. You don't share too much of your personal experience. But what had happened the moment she started to sing and the phone lit up was that my dad had passed away and my family was texting and calling to let me know. And there was that amazing music right there at the same time. I can't explain that, but it was exactly the music that I, even before I knew what had happened, 
it was exactly the music that came to mind me and included me in this group. I mean, when she began to sing, it was a welcome to everyone to become part of the musical experience. Whatever it was, whatever amen means to you is fine. But to become part of the feeling of belonging together. And I'll tell you what, I needed belonging. You know, I needed belonging that day. And it was there. And when you're open to music that way, the craziest things happen. The song will come on that you needed to hear, right? I'll be walking down the street and somebody will whistling something and it'll just be, yeah, that's right. That's the song. Mm. It's like that. So becoming aware of this stuff, it just opens the potential for so much more. Yeah. And Bill, I think, I think there's a lot of dimensions and depth that people can get into in using music, in having music care and using it to guide themselves and practice with it. How do people like know how much time and energy it's going to take to, to understand these things, to really leverage the power of music? You don't really know going in. <laughs> I mean, I've been at this for 55 years and there's so much more to go. You know, it's, it's really incredible. Um, I try to take as much time as I can to listen to new music. Mm. And uh, that's an incredible experience, too, because I, while I've got the stuff that I need, there's always more. There's so much more. And the, the, the kind of answer I think that we're looking for here is when you're using music for a reason, for a purpose, like that night in the chair, where I was just weeping to this music. I was playing over and over. Uh, I, I knew when I was finished. I knew when the emotion had run its course and when I was ready for something else. And you were talking just before with the guest who was on before me about presence and being in the moment. And, and this musical grounding puts you in the moment. And if you welcome it without any distractions, that's a very powerful moment to be in. Uh, there's not too many things we have in the world that slow us down and make us stop. Mm. And if it's five minutes or five hours, doesn't matter. Uh, when you put yourself in the presence of music and allow it, it will tell you when you're done, you know, and it'll feel satisfying in a way that nothing else does. So uh, it, it, it is self-guided, which I love, and it's self-care too, you know, which I also love. Mm. But there's probably way more to it than that because of its connecting ability. You know? And I've watched rooms of people go through that process together, which is really kind of cool to know that that many people could experience something you know, in, in, in unity that they hadn't expected to experience in unity. Mm. It's that magical moment. Yeah. And, and, and music opens that. So yeah, you know, when you're finished and you know, when you're not mm. like halfway through the concert, um, the band will start playing songs that everybody knows. And if, if the craziest things happen, people stand up, they join hands, they start singing along. It's like, who told them to do that? Mm. Nobody did. Bobby McFerrin is a great artist who does this. People just run to be on stage and sing with him. And it's like, why? Well, to be on stage with a famous person, but something more than that is happening. You can just, you can see it happening when it does mm. such, such empathy going on there. You know, everyone who's in leadership should learn from Bobby because that guy, man, he can, he can lead. He can lead. I, I hear resonance. It's what's coming to me is resonance with something. And I, I want to get into more of the scientific side of this, Bill, because I know you're, you're, you're a G when it comes to the science of this. Uh, I want to talk about like 
nature and the the frequency that nature has yeah. on the planet and then how our bodies are our antennas for that and also the resonance of music let's dive into that what do we need what do you what do you want to share around that <laughs> oh my gosh so um way back in the day when the mozart effect was a thing i happened to be working in in uh, as a contractor it contractor at uci which is my alma mater but i was working with an interesting group of people who were interested who were um, measuring how the brain responds to different stimulus and um so i asked one of them you know about the mozart effect he's like yeah i know about that i said well what do you think and his response was it's not so much that it's mozart what's going on there is those high-pitched sounds the 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 higher frequencies you know the, the notes that are sort of in the alto to soprano range um, have a certain effect on us. And the next thing he said blew me away because he said, you don't know, get the same effect with bird song. I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder if there's been measurements or studies or whatever. But it got me curious because there are things, I, I think they're called isochronic tones where um, they come and go, they just on off, on off, on off. And a cricket chirping would be one of those. Imagine a million crickets chirping. Um, they have, I think in, it's in Korea, there's a place where all the lightning bugs on this giant river turn on and off in, at the same time. Wow. Like millions of lightning bugs on and off. So there's this thing about nature that's, that's tension and release. Mm. Tension and release, just like mm. sound. Yeah. Sound is tension and release. Music, is, if it's done right, is tension and release. Like when the kick drum hits, bang, tension. When the silence happens, that's release. So this beautiful thing of tension and release happens in nature. Uh, it happens in us. Like think about our heartbeat, right? Tension, release, tension, release. And as resonators, when we pick up sound, our eardrums are doing the same thing. Tension, release, tension, release. So that, that vibration is part of everything that we know in nature, at least that we can perceive. <laughs> I don't know. The quantum gravity people are looking at other stuff. So um, when, when you're in... Um, in a place where you need a, a particular frequency. Mm. Uh, science has measured these alpha, beta, gamma waves, that kind of stuff. So there are frequencies too that work on us that are tension and release frequencies. And they happen where like one cricket might be chirping here and another cricket might be chirping slightly out of phase with the first cricket. Yep. And that creates a very interesting thing um, where the sounds overlap and the tension from one hits the tension from the other, and then the release happens, and it creates what's called a beat. You can hear it like wah, 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 wah. But if you put on a stereo headset and find a binaural beat application, mm -hmm. you can get these things that tune to frequencies that will work from the bottom of the brain, the lizard brain, up to the cerebral cortex. And depending upon what frequency you want, the binaural beat will work on you with that effect. So they're upregulating binaural beats that make us like happier and think faster and whatever and want to move. And then there are downregulating ones, help us relax, um, intervene with headache, that kind of thing. Binaural beats, great stuff, tons of apps. But that's the science of nature sort of applied in, the, in a technological way to give us a way to intervene or stimulate parts of us that we want to intervene with or stimulate. And that's just like a, well, does anybody fly propeller planes anymore? <laughs> you know, those little puddle jumpers you have to take to get from the, from the main hub of the airport up to the little tiny place in the mountains where you're going. Right. <laughs> when they spin up the props, you get this wonderful hum. You can hear them coming up. And there's a moment right before they synchronize, and they're both the exact same RPM, 
where you can get this and then it just it it levels that's a binaural beat so they happen um just all over the place and and they're very very helpful and useful there's there's some there's some interesting non-science stuff for you i'm trying to stay away from the weeds Dude, I, I love it. I love I love diving into the science, into um, you know the thirty thousand foot view, going all the way down into the, into the weeds, into the details because that's it's awesome, man. It's really cool to 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 make the picture complete, right? Because oh yeah, totally. Just talk about the spiritual woo woo, like oh yeah, these conceptual things. But when we bring it into tactical, bring it into the science, that's when we start to we create understanding. We cre- create more deeper awareness in who we are and what works for us. Exactly. I had the opportunity to sing uh, cadences with a barbershop quartet. So uh, barbershop's pretty tight, but barbershop works because of all the overtones that happen with four voices. And if you're not singing exactly on pitch, you're going to get binaural beats, (laughs) which is a problem. So you want to be on pitch. So I was just singing cadences. And the only thing that they asked me to do was hold the same note. So I held the same note and they did the cadence around me. Oh my gosh. So when you put the sound in your head and you start to vibrate like that and you're surrounded by other people who are also doing the same thing and the overtones start to hit you, that will, I mean, just thinking about it makes my skin crawl in, in a good way. Can you imagine if that was your job, like singing barbershop was your job? You had that amazing feeling the whole time. Wow. ASMR, it stands for something that basically means your skin's crawling. Um, that kind of response when you get that, well, you know you're in it. Mm-hmm. You know you're in it, and, and when the vibration is right there in your head, I mean, imagine what like what are those Tuvan throat singers that can make three notes happen? They have one tone that they ah, and then another one that they're whistling or something. <laughs> then there's some third tone they can make through their nose. I don't know how it works. <laughs> can you imagine that kind of vibration in your own? You're doing your own overtones, basically. Mm-hmm. That's that's got to be just incredible. Yeah. Uh, the talented people that can do that you know, God bless you because that's like the ultimate thing. <laughs> I love it. Bill, this is, this is a blast, man. Uh, you wrote a book too. Tell us more about, um, what, what like these different modalities that you've been able to put your work into. You have online courses, you have a book. Tell us a little bit more about not just going in and having the music be an experience, but also something that people can study and really dive into and learn more about. Sure. Um, the book came out of work we were doing, uh, in a veteran service organization, mm-hmm. thinking about moral injury. Uh, post-traumatic stress, of course, got my attention because there's a lot of music interventions for that. But moral injury was new. Um, moral injury is where you believe something strongly, and then as a soldier or warrior, you have to go out and do the opposite thing. Like wow. you believe that killing is wrong, but your job is to kill people. Okay. So that creates a, a, a kind of a, an injury that you can't see, but that's very present. And one of the things that intervenes with moral injury is what we call spiritual best practices. And you might know them a little bit differently. Things like gratitude and kindness and honor and integrity and, you know, compassion and collaboration are spiritual best practices. Why are they spiritual? Well, they come from a place that's in the human spirit, Mm. you know. And the cool thing about spiritual best practices is they also are feelings. There's things we can choose to do when we push our pen across the paper or we clack on the keyboard uh, that are pretty devoid of feeling. Mm-hmm. But we started out actually, actually talking about gratitude. Gratitude is a feeling. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a being. It's a way of being. And here we are on the being podcast, right? That's right. It's, it's becoming your greatest self is becoming your most authentic self. Yeah. And you just can't be thankful unless you've got some heart in it. 
Mm. You know, people are going to know. <laughs> Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Well, so, it's, it's playing lip service and doing the the right words, which I think a lot of people have gotten good at doing because yeah. we've been taught to get the right answer, but not necessarily understand the root and the spirit of it and the heart of it. We've gotten so uh, conceptual and theoretical, and it's like let's take have, that journey from the head back to the heart. That's some of the longest twelve inches we've ever gone. <laughs> and and you know the heart, that's one powerful place. Um, that's that's the core of us, you know. Well, actually, it's a little higher than the core. They're now telling us core is lower, but but that that incredible um, emotional component, which guys are pretty much taught to ignore. You know, don't be too scared, Billy. Don't be angry, Billy. Ah, no way. Go ahead, be scared. So, coming from the human spirit, it's all in there. All the fear, the anger, the the sadness, the joy. It's all part of the human spirit. If you take the judgment out of it, that's powerful stuff. And you can do amazing things with fear and with anger if, if you know how to experience them authentically without having to act out on them. And that becomes a spiritual best, best practice. So no less than the U.S. Army studied this thing and said, hey, if we aren't spiritually ready for battle, then we aren't ready. We can train and get physically ready. We can get mentally ready. We can get emotionally ready. You can put all of those kind of emotions under the rug for a little while while we go out and do our job. But if we're not engaged spiritually, uh, we're not ready to go. And that's that's like being bought in to the why. Why am I? Why am I going? What, why is my life being used to to fight for this cause? Am I am I bought into this cause? Am I bought into this reason? Am I willing to lay my life on the line? And today, you know, may may not be the best time to say I'm going to go to war because, like, why? Why? There's so many there's so many opportunities for peace, and yet we're still choosing an outdated model. Yeah, I agree with you on this. Um, I I miss the Vietnam era, but I know a lot of Vietnam veterans. Mm. And more importantly, I know a lot of Vietnam veterans for peace. It's actually an NGO that's out there uh, who've recognized that war isn't doing it anymore. Mm. And in our business world, we realize the difference between competition and collaboration and how collaboration is on the rise and competition has sort of reached the end. There's only so far greed will take us, but unless you're willing to have a lot of greed, you're not going to win the competitive battle. Much better to to reorganize around our tribal concept of working together and raise all the boats Mm. instead of just being the best. You know, it's harder (laughs) and we're living in a transitional era, but collaboration is a spiritual best practice. Oh yeah. It's like uh, love. Like like you said, you know, we can either spend all of our time breaking down other people's buildings and and you know dedicate our life to destruction or we can say i'm going to dedicate my own life to love i'm going to grow my own building i'm going to grow my own you know foundation and if other people want support in that uh, and they want to you know we want to work together we want to grow a bigger building together grow a bigger city together like let's do it you know it's there's more than enough to go around recognizing that abundance that infinite abundance is is just key man it's just it's just right there. Yeah. You know, it's just right there, ready to go. Yeah. And and there's a big job because a lot of us uh, still need to understand that and, and need a, a pathway forward. So I wrote the book. It's called More Than Human. It's about the pathway from wherever you are to where you could be going by realigning what you do, whatever that is, around best practices. And wow, do they work in organizations? Of course, they work in small organizations like families, but all the way up to enterprises and enterprises that have scaled up around um, of let's just use gratitude, which is actually getting scientific research studies now. Can you believe that? We need we need science to know that gratitude works. <laughs> but it's out there, and and businesses that offer 
appreciation to their customers or if they're B2B businesses, they do better. Well, of course they do. <laughs> you and I know that. Mm. So offering people a way to go from wherever they are to sort of transform themselves more in a best practices way around spiritual best practices is the purpose of the book more than human. Mm. So good. I love it. What what point did you say I want to really shift the human spirit? Like when did when did it become a more of a philosophical spiritual conversation for you to really create a bigger legacy for humanity, Bill? You know, I'm going to say in the last year, I've been focusing on music as self-care for quite a while. And in the last year, it seems to me that the real opportunity is to encourage people for any kind of self-care. I mean, not the kind that works, but holistic evidence-based self-care. The mindset that we need to have to care for ourselves better is going to be tough. Because let's face it, we like to call experts, you know, we go to a concert because the band is really good. They're experts at what they do. Um, we go to the doctor because there's, she, he or she is an expert at giving us the care we need. But there's so much we can do to intervene. And I'll go all the way back to the therapist who encouraged me to get out there in front of veterans. There aren't enough therapists to go around. There aren't enough doctors to go around. Even if we could afford all of the care we need, there wouldn't be people to deliver it. So we've got to do a better job caring for ourselves. And we can. We're well equipped to do that. Yeah. Um, there are lots of places in the world where that's just part of the ethos. But here we are, like arguing about whether socialism is the right thing. People, it doesn't matter what the political system's called. It's about what are you doing to, for yourself. And if you're not doing that, and you need to be doing that, and the opportunities are available. So I think that's the real advocacy, Chris. Um, and that's just sort of the dawned on me over the last year of appearing on all these podcasts and, and listening to people who are in the lane. Guys, we really have a great opportunity here to, to shift ourselves away from dependence on experts to experts are one opportunity. And we have all these other potential uh, available opportunities. Look at how yoga has done yeah. in the last 50 years. It's exploding. Yeah, well, I, th I think uh, there's there's such a variety of modalities, right? But at yeah. the end of the day, the I think the real growth opportunity is to come back to our source, our center, and being um, self empowered and saying yes. I'm self self accountable, right? Yes. I am I am going to lead me to the des the destination, or else I'm not going to get there, or else I can't kick and scream and blame someone if I don't get there one day because it's not someone else's responsibility to take me to where I want to go. And I think people are just like it's so easy to stay stuck in victim and we're coming along saying hey you actually can become your greatest possible self it's going to take you giving up the story that you've held on to so tightly up till now but i promise you there is a better a better way there is a a um you know light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing it's so self-experiential and self-evident because i mean i've done yoga for a while and at first it was hard yeah you know yeah. But I kept at it. And there, there are things that work and things that don't, like the tapping, um, what is it called, EFT now. Uh, there's so many modalities that are out there with evidence on them. You can kind of just go for it. You can give yourself, you'll love this, you can give yourself acupuncture with essential oils. Wow. If you know the points, you can put frankincense on the points, you'll have the same effect as the needles. It's, it's crazy, you know, what we now know. <laughs> so encouraging people around that. You know, I'm, I'm in your lane. I, I think it's a great opportunity here uh, to raise the bar for everyone who can take responsibility for their own care yeah. and shift out of the shame blame game and more into a, Hey, you know, I, I own this. Might not look like much right now, but I own it. So let's see what we can do with it and, and move the ball a little bit further in, in, in our own self-interest. That kind of sounds selfish, but 
there's a there is a point where you need to take that ownership and 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 find out how you respond to the opportunities that are out there for your own care. Yeah. And also, Bill, I think your philosophy of helping veterans and homeless people, I think that's a super important part. And you kind of um, you subtly said it earlier as far as um, we get to take care of ourselves. And then the leaders who are out there leading, what what role model are they being? How are they giving back to others? How are they serving? How are they contributing? How are they making a difference? Even when nobody is looking, who are you being? How is that, how is that person showing up? And I think there's not a culture of like really going out there and making a difference for the right reasons, just simply because I care about another human being is always in, in order to be popular, get, get reelected, things like that. But like you're really out there serving these veterans and homeless people. Tell us a little bit more about what we can do to affect these, these uh, people who are in need. The, um, the most interesting thing that I've learned about veterans is that they want to be uh, recognized. And, and I don't mean awarded. They just want to be acknowledged, Vietnam-era veterans in particular. But there's more to that acknowledgement than just saying thank you for your thank service. You for your service. Yeah. Right? The, the response that I've heard um, that makes the most sense to me is when you say thank you for your service, I've often heard veterans say, would you like to know what that was like? Mm-hmm. So it opens the it opens the door a little bit, yeah. and of course the ones who are out there speaking on stages, uh, that's their purpose They're is great to help people it. understand, right? Yeah. So I, I think when it comes right down to it, our ability to say to anyone, um, "Tell me what that was like," whether you're standing with a friend who might be feeling suicidal, or standing with your spouse who has to go, you know, to the store one more time in the rain, tell me what that was like. Mm. Being able to open that door for a human connection in a practical way, without judgment, you know, as much as possible, and being willing to listen. Mm. Uh, that's kind of the lesson of our era right now. A lot of people trying to promote things and talk about themselves and all that, but being able to stop and listen, uh, listen to the music that's coming from the other person, because it's there, you know, about NLP, so with mirror neurons, all of that, it, we're good at that, we get that. And being able to open up to that, mm. I think that's really key right now. Slow down, slow down enough to care, slow down enough to not be always driving for our own personal gain or creation or need to yeah. fill, fill a void and numb in a, and just like run from whatever we've been trying to avoid and like just be with it. And I think a, yeah. a con- concept that's been coming up a lot for me recently is to just when someone's feeling pain to allow them to express that pain and not need to do anything about it. But just to be with it and to be so, so it's like almost, I don't know if it's so courageous, so courageous to be with their pain because it just bring, it could potentially bring up massive pain within us. Be so courageous to sit with that and not need to do anything about it and just be there. You've said that so well, Chris. And for guys, guys listening out there, um, we tend to be problem solvers. We tend to want to have a solution and mansplain things. And so the challenge for, for guys is to shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And and the challenge I think on the other side of that coin if you're not like if you're not the person who always has to have the answer and fix mm-hmm. the problem mm-hmm. is to be willing to say don't give me an answer bill. I don't want an answer. What I want is your compassion, your empathy, your presence. We'll figure this out. But I need your presence. We can't do it alone, right? We have to connect around those answers. 
Bill, this is this is powerful, man. I love this interview. I just freaking flew by, man. Oh my gosh! It okay, did. So, it's like it's over. <laughs> it flew by. So let's talk about um, next steps that people can take. What what they'll get when they visit your website. How else can they get involved with you? Have a conversation with you, man. Tell us about that. So I'm, I'm one of those people that believes in putting telephone numbers on websites. You use them; they will reach me. I'm still answering my own phone, which is really great, and I hope that I can stu- do that for the rest of my career. Best way to find me, single website, quest.musiccare.net. Quest, the old-fashioned way. If you're into online gaming, the new-fashioned way. Musiccare, with two Cs, .net, because it's a network of all of us who are doing this together. I love it. And I know you have some courses. I mentioned that earlier. Can you tell us a little bit more about how they can get involved? Sure. So that page is sort of the landing page for the course as well. And you can go through the course on your own. It's not a problem. Um, if you're a veteran or if you are uh, in the military active duty, the course is free. There's no paywall for that course if you're serving our country. Uh, contact me and I'll get you in. Um, I can also do that course mentored. So for the really deep dive, it's really nice to be able to work together and have regular FaceTime with each other as you go through that process. Because the course is heavy lifting. You're going to unpack emotions that you aren't usually that in touch with. You're going to do that on purpose in a safe way. So I want to be there to help people who are interested in having some guidance go through that. Um, lots of free stuff there, too. You know, sign up, get the free guide, blah, 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 all of that. You know how this works. <laughs> people, are, people are used to this stuff these days. I love it. I love it, Bill. And I know, you know, people who are who are resonating with this. Uh, I love the just the conversation. I love sounds, right? I'm a, I'm an auditory kind of guy. I love to to hear things, and um, just the conversation was was awesome. Just hearing you, your journey, why you made the book, and why you're you're out there really standing for people, and especially the the spiritual aspect of this, of of bringing these worlds together, the engineering, the math, the science, bringing that with the music and the arts and the creativity, and then bringing that to people's lives, bringing it to organizations. It's it's amazing what you're doing, man. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here and help enliven your show and get it through until almost its 12th hour, which is now begun. <laughs> we, got, we got two more hours. This is the this two more is hours? 11th hour. Whoa, it's the 11th hour. <laughs> that sounds like something. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, definitely. Bill, thank you so much. Massive love for you, brother. I know we're going to meet up in person at some point. I know uh, we're, we're, we're going to have you back on. Man. It, was, it was a blast. I know we could, we could go so much deeper. We just scratched the surface. And thank you so much for being here. It was, it was an honor, man. You're so welcome. Thank you for all that you do, Chris. The world needs you. See you soon. See you soon. From the bottom of my heart, Thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self? Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.employeeescape.com.
thebigplan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever. Thank you.